Hello, this is Jeffrey Lieberman of Columbia University, and this is Shrink Speak. All eyes have been riveted on uh, Washington for many, many months and uh, continuing you know, through this summer, specifically because uh, the top issue that's been discussed has been health care legislation, whether to repeal the Obamacare uh, Affordable Care Act or what it would be replaced by, and to say that things have not you know, gone smoothly and uh, been productive would be uh, the understatement of the decade. In fact, the phrase that comes to mind about Congress' inability to come to terms with one of the most important issues that this country faces, which is how it's going to provide health care for its citizens, is like uh, the image of Nero fiddling while Rome is burning. And I don't know what the prospects of there being success in this legislative session are going to be, uh, but I do know that uh, the issue of having some comprehensive health care legislation that improves upon the current situation for health care service delivery and financing is absolutely essential and urgent. And I come at this as a psychiatrist who, uh, while leading a major department of psychiatry in the country, also takes care of many, many patients and oversees clinical services to people in our hospital. And I know from painful experience that when health care uh, is not dealt with effectively, uh, that mental health care suffers disproportionately worse. So when health care gets a cold, mental health care gets pneumonia. And uh, that is continuing to happen and will happen unless something is done. The issues pertaining to mental health care services and financing have been really submerged in the overall health care debate, but basically comes down to this. Um, if the major motivation, besides just the ethical imperatives of the government acting to come up with health care legislation is to contain the cost of delivering health care to the people of the United States while ensuring good quality care. Mental illness and addiction has to be in the equation because, as any health economist will tell you, mental illness is the secret sauce of health care reform and cost containment. And that's because Individuals who have comorbid conditions of mental disorder or, or substance abuse account for disproportionate amounts of the expenses that are spent on health care. More frequent admissions, longer length of stays, more complicated cases. Um, so you have to do this to accomplish the primary goal of delivering care in a cost-effective way. Um, not to mention the fact that there's a number of social pathologies that are so egregious and abhorrent to the public that Congress is under pressure to try and address them, even if it hasn't done it in the most enlightened way up until now. But these are the, the kinds of things I'm referring to are homelessness, uh, increasing numbers of people with mental illness who are finding their way into prison, uh, the uh, recurrent episodes of mass violence, uh, many of perpetrators of which are untreated individuals with mental illness, the suicide rates that are seen, the opioid epidemic. These are things that really are, are really a consequence. They're the tips of the iceberg of neglect of mental health care. So 
there's a very strong case, both in economic terms as well as social and ethical terms, for bringing uh, mental health care into the picture at the same level as cancer, cardiovascular disease, uh, every other kind of illness. When thinking about health care policy and, and legislative reform. Now, I'm not a politician, but I can't help but seeing what's going on and thinking that uh, we have individuals that are really trying to achieve the same thing, uh, but have different ways of going about doing it and can't come to an agreement. And there has to be a way to overcome this. And I'm reminded of um, you know, principles that really come out of uh, uh, philosophy that talk about how people in society really have evolved and, and found ways to coexist and to work together and to, to further the progress of civilization. And you know, it's a concept called reciprocal altruism, which is that uh, you know, every person has own self-interest. It's just innate in human nature. People can be the friendliest and the nicest and the caring, but it's still them that comes first. And they get into a job situation, there's some competitive nature to it. Uh, if there's sort of a limited amount of resources available, you know, they'll at least have the inclination to acquire for themselves uh, before their magnanimity takes over and they seek to be more generous to somebody they think is more deserving. But in any event, there's a recognition that uh, the kind of self-oriented actions, behavior of individuals is constrained in modern societies by laws, by morals, but also by this principle of reciprocal altruism, which is that, you know, you do for me and I'll do for you. And this needs to be the attitude that uh, pervades or prevails in Congress. There needs to be a recognition that n nothing is going to get done if they don't work together and find a way to uh, achieve some kind of compromise or, you know, mutually acceptable arrangement. Now, how this is accomplished, you know, whether the better angels of the nature all of a sudden surface and take control, or there needs to be some kind of congressional psychiatrist that uh, helps to counsel them as they go through this process, not a bad idea, actually. There needs to be kind of a, a timeout and a reset of the governmental process, because it has not been working for so long, and there is such important issues that are not being addressed as a result of that. And in the case of health care, and particularly mental health care, um, I can see the consequences every day. I can see this in terms of the people that show up in our emergency room, the number of people and the types of problems they have that come to the clinics or get admitted to the hospital, and also you know, what's on their mind, which includes if they overcome the stigma, if they recognize they need care, if they have a loved one that does, but they can't afford it, their insurance doesn't cover it, or whatever Medicaid and Medicare pays, it's not really sufficient to cover the costs of providing the care by the clinic, the hospital, the doctor, and as a result, uh, uh, they, you know, their, their patients aren't accepted uh, for care in certain uh, settings. Or there's wait lists, there's wait, waiting lists to, uh, before they can be seen. So the situation is one where we have the capacity to address the spectrum of mental health and substance use disorders that exist with great frequency in, in, in society, but we're not enabled 
to be able to do it, and people are not uh, 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 supported in seeking care because of the legislative impasse and bottleneck. So I think it's incumbent upon um, the administration and the Congress to try and look beyond the beltway and seek a way to bridge these uh, reasons, the, the factors that have produced this impasse, because, as I said, it is a case of you know, the, the emperor fiddling while Rome is burning. In this case, the health of the American population as well as the uh, infrastructure of, of our health care uh, delivery system and particularly academic medical centers. And just to conclude, the groups that always suffer the most when these situations occur through neglect, through delay, through deficiency of resources are the poor and the uh, sort of disadvantaged minority groups, but among these is clearly prominently reflected are people who have mental disorders and substance use disorders. And we don't want to see this. It doesn't need to happen. We have the means to treat it, but we're not given the tools that we need and patients aren't given the support they need to gain the access. So I am happy to offer my services if anybody in Washington wants to uh, avail themselves. And I have a large number of faculty on my staff that uh, have expertise in all areas. And we're willing to come down and at least initially donate our services to help. But I, I do think that the issue is, is really trying to understand this principle of reciprocal altruism and finding common ground, and these people can do it. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, Columbia University, and this was Shrink Speak.